0: You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Sidney Johnson, Bob Usler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball.
1: And we welcome you back to another edition of Open Court with Sidney Johnson, joined as always by Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis, and I am Bob Huesler. As we talk about the start of the Stags' final homestand, just two games to go at home, starting with Manhattan on Sunday Stags are facing a unusually long stretch of practice time, so we will find out from Coach Johnson how they intend to use that time. We're going to talk a little bit about social media and how the players use it, the pros and cons of social media in today's college uh, athletics atmosphere, and uh, our special guest this week is one of the Stags' starting guards, Taj Benning, is kind enough to spend some time with us today. And you. Uh, Taj, let's start it off by talking about how quickly this probably is moving for you. You know, Joe and I remember you just walking down to campus, it seems, a short while ago. And here you are almost uh, two full years into your college experience. Has it, in fact,
2: surprised you how quickly it, it has all moved for you? Yeah, time's flying. feels like uh, yesterday I was a freshman just walking in. But um, uh, I've loved every moment of it, so...
1: Yeah, what uh, what are the things that have um, you learned along the way here? Not only in terms of your development as a basketball
2: player, but as a student-athlete here at Fairfield. Managing my time with uh, classes, practice, um, working out like alone, and finding time to rest and stuff like that. So I'd say managing my time. And uh, have there been any
1: stags or? friends here on campus that have been a particular uh help in terms of uh helping you learn how to use your time and manage uh, all
2: these responsibilities of course um last year's seniors uh jared jerome tyler they helped me a lot just showed me the ropes on how like things are done here um on and off the court so yeah and then like obviously the guys that came in with me my uh classmates and stuff like that so so you
1: get here and uh, you're a local guy, you're not too far away from here, uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey, went to Bergen Catholic High School. So uh, you're from the geographical area, but when exactly did uh, Fairfield University and Fairfield basketball become part of, uh, uh, on your radar, so to speak? When did you first become aware of the program?
2: Um, I found out they were recruiting me uh, my last year of AAU, 17 u uh, summer and um coach jay came down to a uh, bergen open gym that fall and uh met him, spoke to him, and uh he uh, told me how things are, how things go here and i uh, just fell in love with it. Who else uh, was
1: involved with you at that point? What other kinds of um, interest were you receiving from other schools or maybe even offers? Uh, who was fairfield competing against to uh
2: to get you in? Um couple other MAC schools and then like uh, some uh, local schools like NJIT. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your AAU program,
1: and uh, that's a program that's been around for a while and has produced or had some pretty good players come through it. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background and history to your AAU program?
2: Yeah, um, I played AAU for NJ Roadrunners, uh, for Sandy Piune. uh Had guys like Kyrie Irving, Randy Foy, Al Harrington, Earl Clark. Uh, played for him um a lot of those guys stay really close to sandy always coming down to the gym and stuff so uh they're uh really close to the program we learn a lot from them who in particular uh, among that group of some pretty notable basketball players has uh impacted you um randy foy has come down to the uh, roadrunners gym a couple times played pickup with us uh really competed um against him and stuff so uh yeah and when he comes down he always just tells us what it's like to be a professional athlete and then like his experiences at uh villanova and um just like what he's learned along the way in his long basketball career yeah he had a, a really long career a,
1: a veteran of uh, many nba teams so certainly somebody who I'm sure it was a great influence for you, as I'm sure your high school basketball coach was. Tell us
2: about him and your experience at Bergen Catholic. Uh, Yeah, Coach Billy Armstrong, um, extremely close to me. He was like a part of my family. Um, He just taught me so many life lessons, like uh, just how to carry myself, stuff like that, basketball stuff on the court, off the court, and um, just stuff that I've used today and this does
1: all eventually lead to you getting recruited by coach Johnson and uh Fairfield University. Getting back to that, you make visits to Fairfield and you said you fell in love with the campus and the people here, but want to give it a little bit a, a little bit more about that uh moment when you came here and the things that
2: impacted you and made you feel like this is the place for me. Well, um the one thing I always when I talk about stuff like this, uh the one thing that Um, I always go to is like the fact that I'm like an only child I'm an only child so I just loved how the guys were together like it was like truly a brotherhood here and um, I just love that I need I like need stuff like that so um, that's really what I uh, appreciated the most and then um, it's a beautiful campus and um, I loved like even like how other sports teams how everyone supports each other and how like um Every it just is a family atmosphere here, and I really appreciated that.
1: Let's see the seniors last year, the senior guards last year were Tyler Nelson, Jerome Segura. I, I I'll take a guess and say they were pretty involved in
2: making you feel comfortable here. Yeah, Jerome uh, and Tyler were really close to me. Like even to this day, they're always texting me, telling me things I could do better. Um, they watch every game, so uh, always texting me, giving me um a little bit of feedback and stuff like that because uh. They did it, and they did it at a high level. So um, I'm always just trying to learn from them. You referred to uh, Coach Jay. That's, of course, Coach Johnson. And, uh,
1: Coach, why don't you give us a little bit about the background uh, to Taj from your perspective and how he got on your radar.
3: Well, we knew we needed a, an understudy to Jerome, you know, at, at some point, point we wanted to bring that guy um, into the program. Um, you know, uh, I didn't know – Billy, uh, Taj's coach um, personally, but I knew of him, both what he had done as a player. He's really good at Davidson and played for, obviously, a tremendous coach and McKillop. And I knew about the program. He had been building it up, building it up, and uh, they were just on this... Um, this ascension, if you will, in, in terms of making their name in, in Jersey, which we all know is uh, has, has tremendous basketball. So all that kind of came together in terms of like a guard who can, you know, play both ways, um, you know, defensive presence, can get stuff done offensively uh, and, and plays in a system. And when I talked to uh, Coach Armstrong, Billy, uh, he couldn't say enough good things about Taj. He did talk about the relationship that they had, and that was really important to me uh, because I want to be very connected to our guards. And all of that stuff played out. You know, I think Taj is being really humble right now because one of the things is um, he had a few bright moments as a freshman last year, uh, but he did spend a lot of time learning and watching. um, And it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And the way that he handled it, um you know he went in the gym and competed practice after practice after practice and i know how challenging that is for younger guys um to do that and then not always play you know 25 30 minutes but i i think it had a lot to do with taj had a lot to do with his parents and i think it had a lot to do with the excellent program that he was coming from a winning program and and just kind of like. You know, guys have to earn their spots and they have to kind of realize a team is is bigger than the one guy. So all of those things, I'm glad that we did the work to find out the type of person that Taj was because then he can make the most of his freshman year. And then even this year where he started, played big minutes, right? And then a few, Taj, he had a few DNPs after that, right? And this kid never put his head down. He just continued to try to apply himself to what um, we were asking um, and, and got back to being one of the best five guys in the gym. And look at where he is now. He's putting himself in a position not only to play, but to give us a good chance to win games. And, and that's what I respect most about
1: him. Well, Taj, why don't you talk about that? Um, how difficult was it for you? Let's talk about this year, because as Coach Johnson just mentioned, you started earlier in the year and then there were the stretch of dmps and now you're back in the starting lineup in an integral part of the starting lineup how hard was it for you to fight through that stretch of games where you
2: weren't playing to to get back to where you needed to be um... just staying level-headed and um... just uh... not letting like little things get to me just making sure every day in practice i'm the same person high energy and really competing i uh, that's what one thing i hang my hat on and um... Yeah, that was basically it, just making sure I competed, and I just want to help my team in any way possible.
1: Energy, competitiveness, and what are the other strengths of your game from your own point of view, and what are the things that you're
2: trying to get better at? Um, strength of my game, I would say uh, we're good at getting to the basket and finishing. Um, one thing that I, uh, I'm i a very good defender, and um, Coach Jay told me before the year, like you have to get better at off-ball defense and like get better at just knowing how we like to defend. And um, that's one thing I feel like I've gotten a lot better at. Um, Obviously, like uh, knocking down shots and stuff like that. something I'm still working on, but I feel like I've gotten better at that than I was my freshman year. Um, And picking my spots, I feel like I'm getting better at that as well. Joe DeSantis knows a lot
1: about good guard play here at Fairfield. What are your impressions of Tosh's game?
0: I think pretty much uh, what both guys just said, Coach and Taj. I think he's a tough kid that can defend, get to the rim, Um, obviously needs a little bit of work on his three point shooting, but you know, um, the first thing that you want to do, and I'm going to put him on my coaching hat and I haven't done that in a long time, but, um, you want kids that are tough and respectful. And I think he embodies that. So, um, I'm a big fan. Now you mentioned Bergen Catholic and our astute listeners will right away think about Eddie Golden. Okay. Who went to Bergen Catholic and played for, um, coach Mitch, um, who, uh, who did a great job, went to two NCAAs. Now, you had also mentioned to me in passing one day if I knew Eddie Duncan, another Fairfield guard who played on – I lose track. You know, I don't know how you are. My coaching thing was like one long day. <laughs> he played on one, maybe two of uh, the NCA teams for Mitch, and, he, and I asked you why you were asking that. And you had said that he had played with your dad. So did your dad play? What's his background?
2: Um, My dad played at uh, William Patterson in New Jersey. Of course. And um, when he left there, he just uh, played in a lot of men's leagues and a lot of um, just, like, pro-am leagues in New York and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so my dad just knows a lot of people through basketball. So um, when – he found out that I was getting recruited to go to Fairfield and that I was going to Fairfield. He reached out to Eddie Duncan. I've never actually met him,
0: but Oh, that's one of my dad's friends. Eddie's one of the class – he went to Stevenson High School where Eddie Pinkney went. He was obviously younger than Eddie Pinkney, but played for Steve Post, a very good program. But um, you you got to meet him. He's one of the all-time great um, student athletes.
1: I think Eddie was part of that first Mitch recruiting class. Uh, Mitch came here and um, – of course uh 85 86 and then goes to the NCAAs and then brought in the big recruiting class and I think Eddie was a freshman on that Fairfield team that went to the NCAAs again in 1987 but uh I that's amazing you remember that. I don't, I don't know. know I, I might I, be
0: wrong but no, uh No, you're at Marvin <laughs> Walters. I think Harold Brantley was that group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah but, Mitch Mitch used to drive us nuts recruiting. Me and Tom yeah. Burris. he was
1: Yeah quality people though absolutely uh, you should reach out to Eddie and you mentioned uh, your dad and your mom I guess going to Fairfield allows them the opportunity to get
2: to a lot of games yeah my mom doesn't miss a game she'll be here she doesn't care how far she has to drive uh, she doesn't miss a game
0: you hear her? Like, is she a yeller?
2: Uh, in high school, she was a big-time yeller. <laughs> uh, she calmed down a lot. But, um, yeah, I, I, can, I always know when she's there. It seemed to whenever we're in warm-ups, I can always find them. I don't know how, but I just do.
1: <laughs> well, Tosh, feel free to uh, – jump in here at any point we're going to shift over to Coach Johnson talk a little bit about this practice week and then as I mentioned earlier we're going to get into quickly we're not going to belabor it but I would like to get into the social media aspect of things and I know you can help out in that regard but uh, Coach I mentioned a long week of practice time this is a crazy max schedule and I don't know if it's crazier than other years but it just seems that you've had all these games in a compressed period of time and now you have a full week essentially, before Manhattan, and another full week, essentially, before Marist and St. Peter's. How does that change your approach to what you do over the next couple of weeks in practice?
3: It gives us more time to teach. It gives us more time. Obviously, um, you know, we want to get better and continue to improve. There's a, uh, there's a sign in uh, Coach Parada's office uh, before I came in here, and, um, you know, it says never, never, never give up. And for us, it's like we still are trying to get these guys better and better and better to play good basketball. So the short answer is more time to teach. And we, we watch film today. We had a good long practice. We watch film. We'll do the same thing tomorrow. Um, but there's always something to strive for, um, especially as we're you know we we're, we're getting into games and we'll have a stretch here or a stretch there that continues to escape us. We've talked about that. And so if we can get that out of us and try to con- – be better at controlling the things that we can control. Can't control how many fouls the refs gonna call, but you can you can control how hard you go to the rim. You can control how much you execute um, so that you get your post touch or you play inside out, different stuff like that. So um, that's what that's what this week is uh, for us, um, and and we're certainly gonna take it on diligently to put these guys in a good position.
1: Certainly been player uh, been playing good enough defensive basketball, Uh, your thoughts on um, the games in Buffalo at Canisius and Niagara. In that regard, things you saw that pleased you and some of the things that didn't please you that you are working on and getting better and better at as you practice through.
3: Yeah, I'd say real quickly, with with Canisius, uh, I I thought the guys played their tails off. I mean, you know, uh, multiple charges, uh, battling on the defensive boards, like getting after it. Um, I was really disappointed we had eight turnovers at the half we talked a lot about guys we have to take care of the basketball to put ourselves in a really good spot and they do a really good job of capitalizing on turnovers and we had nine in the second half and they they just killed us they really hurt us there's you know we came down as a few stretches where those turnovers just kind of broke what these guys were doing, which was defending three and four times in right. a row and coming down and turning it over. So I, I thought that that was the, the tail of the game right there. Um, against Niagara, we were up eight uh, with 13 minutes to go. Um, and, and the kid, Rob, and then the, the kid off the bench, uh, Fragala, you know, seems to, you know, feel really good when he sees Fairfield. Yeah. But both those guys went for 15 apiece. Um, in the last 13 minutes. So I thought as, as much as we've been defending pretty well, actually, uh, in the league, um, I thought those guys got the best of us in the last 13 minutes. Um, and I, I, I not only obviously coached it, but I watched that game on our drive back home and, and saw some pretty solid execution. But I told these guys after the end of that game, Um, I don't think we got a defensive stop the last eight possessions of the game. They either scored or went to the free throw line. It's hard to win a game, um, you know, on the road. And and, uh, compare that to Marist where we either scored or got fouled the last three possessions of the game and we got the last three stops against Marist and we came out with the win.
0: Yeah, I, I think you played, obviously, two pretty good offensive teams. Niagara a little more up and down. Canisius a little more, you know, reserved or set-oriented. But there was still a great effort, I think, from beginning to end on the whole weekend. I mean, I, I know it doesn't show in the, in, the, in the win column, but Bob and I sat there courtside. So we see the energy. We see the body language. And I think I know the answer to this question. Um, you had to be pleased. He's had a great year, but you had to be pleased with some of the things that Neftali did.
3: Very. I I I said to the staff. I thought he had a phenomenal weekend, Joe. Um oh. I thought the poise. W- one thing, and, and I'm not just saying this because he's here, but Taj and Itus really helped Neftali play well. I thought um Taj probably wants those five turnovers back from Canisius. Is that fair, Taj? Yes, sir. But but he played very well uh, against Niagara, and he played hard against Canisius. But with those guys kind of uh, doing their thing. Neftali was his shot selection was really really good, um, the threes he did sh- shoot he knocked them down, uh, he attacked the basket he made extra passes which is really important that ball's got to continue to move. In defensively defensively he's learned from you know he's good at keeping you in front. Um, but then maybe um, if, if you keep your dribble and your four or five dribbles, he may relax. I thought he continued to close out and slide and be engaged defensively. So he had a really, really good weekend.
0: There, there was one possession in the Kinesis game, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I think that you, you, I think that you and I felt the same way because I caught the end of your reaction. He drove uh, – Naftali drove right to left down the middle and jump stopped. Yeah. And he kicked it to Idas – and um, I just did a trem- tremendous little thing. Um, he faked the pass to the corner. Right. And the defense, you don't really see that anymore. No, no. no. And the defense just moved. It, I, I'm not going to say it moved a lot, but it froze. And just um, made the three. But Neftali... That's something he needs to do. Yeah. Do you remember that possession? I absolutely
3: do. It was right in front of our bench. Yeah. And it it was a big play. And they shared it. They shared it all the way through. So then for him to, you know, make that nice little fake and then knock it down, it it confirms, it reaffirms, like, what we're trying to do in the gym. Share it, share it, share it. Um, So, uh, again, going back to Neftali, a lot of work to try to get him to be in a good spot same type of work that we're doing with taj and and god bless these guys for continuing to stay open i thought he taj earlier talked about you know competing and working hard um that's all true but he's also been open to coaching you know what i mean he hasn't put his head down he's just he's looked us in the eye what do you need coach what you know what more can i do he came to me um a few weeks ago was like coach i know you were a really good defender this is a while ago a couple months ago. Coach, what are some of the things that I need to do defensively? So he's staying open. Neftali's really really coachable. So it's not a shock that these guys continue to put in good efforts.
0: Taj, in that um, Niagara game, you had eight points. You had no turnovers, two steals, 24 minutes. So you played the total game. And uh, Coach is talking about defense. Who's the player that you you think about in the MAC that – you think is the best player that you have to guard and that you you know dream about you know holding him to uh 0 for 10 from the field
2: um just uh the MAC's a really good guards league right and um so i obviously like i see like guys that are going for big numbers and stuff like that so um i like to shut guys down and stuff so uh
0: who's your who, who do you think is the toughest guard i'll rephrase that the
2: toughest guard in the mac this year yeah Mm, I don't know, I mean cam young, if you consider him a guard like uh perimeter guy yeah, he's for a perimeter sure. guy, he's a big guard, so yeah, I mean he's scoring a lot and can do a lot of different things him. i think
3: um I think Jalen Picketts had a really good year at siena, yeah, and um I think Taj had some really good moment he he Taj put us in a position to win that game up there because he really slowed down Jalen. Um, you know, and, and obviously, uh, we had trouble guarding the three-point line in the first half. We were much better in the second half, but he did a really good job against Jalen, uh, throughout that game, and, and I think that's, that's where he's headed. I've, I've challenged him to become an elite defender. He's solid right now. He's solid. He's not elite. Jerome Segura was elite, and that's what Taj is working up to. But then you look at a frame of a kid who's, you know, a good 6'3", and probably what, about, about 275 right now, Taj? <laughs> nah, like, like
2: 190 pounds.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you, big kid, big strong kid. And so I think there's there's a lot to work with there moving ahead. We
1: were just talking about Neftali Alvarez and Idis' name, Idis, Idis Kavalowskis' name came up. And Taj, uh, how do you guys make each other better? You know, Idis, a point guard. Neff a point guard, you're a combo guard. How do you all lift each other's games? What's your relationship like with those guys?
2: Um we're all close. I think the best thing that we have as a group of guards is that uh we're all learning from each other. Like we like to take things, little things from each other's games that uh we like to put in our games. Like I just is a really good passer. I'm consistently talking to him, like, yo, what do you see? Like what can you help me with? He comes up to me sometimes like what can you help me with? Like this, this and that. Um Neff is the same way um with Neff, i think it's like what i love about Neff is i love his energy that he plays with and the passion he plays with like um it really lifts like our guys up so we all just learn from each other and And take little things from each other they
3: also do a really good job of celebrating each other's success you know there's no they're not in there hating on each other or or, you know hoping for a guy and and i see it but i hear it too Uh, like you mentioned joe the body language uh, the way they support each other the way they cheer for each other and these guys are you know they've understood that they may be battling for minutes but then we've also had lineups where all three of them have been on the floor and we've looked really good so so I think that they see the value in teammates playing well
1: so we uh, we, we wrap up the uh, trip in Buffalo and on the way back I'm reading the Buffalo news and came across an article about the uh, Buffalo Sabres, and it caught my attention because uh, the Sabres, as a team, have a players enforced policy when it comes to social media. And this is something we haven't talked about this year, but it's such a big part of the college sports landscape and, of course, the pro sports landscape. And, uh, Taj, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, for a Fairfield basketball player, what are the pros of uh social media what are the cons the
2: things you have to watch out for and how do you in particular utilize it um i obviously i have twitter instagram stuff like that um i honestly just use it to follow like some of my favorite celebrities and like my favorite athletes and stuff like that um pros could probably be like you just know what's going on around the like around the world and stuff like that um cons you gotta watch who you follow, watch what you tweet, stuff like that. Just make sure you're doing the right stuff and doing stuff that can't hurt you in the future. But you, uh, yourself, you don't tweet a lot yourself? Um, not really. I mainly retweet stuff that, like, other athletes will tweet, like follow, like, Dwayne gotcha. Wade, LeBron. I'll retweet some of their stuff. Well, sure. Coach, you've used Twitter. Uh, you've yep. gotten information out that way.
1: You have an opinion on all this. Uh, how have you utilized it, and what do you consider to be – the potential, uh, the pros and cons of of social media.
3: Well, I've I've learned um, that it's that that you have to adopt it. You know, you can't just kind of um, you know ban it and say it's just not the real world. You know, if they weren't student athletes, they're just students. They would be engaged in it. So, what part of the athlete um, part of the equation doesn't allow them to engage in that? You know, and I had to learn that. You know, so um, I certainly have, have used it to, you know, kind of put out my message, but also like my mood, if you will, sometimes to celebrate their successes and those of our former players. Um, I want them um, to, like like Taj said, to keep themselves informed, see what's going on out there. I'll tweet them stuff. I've tweeted them things about um, every now and then the NCAA will post up a um, – one of these things where, like, a team is up by eight and with 40 seconds left, the the uh, losing team has come back and won. And I've sent that to them so that they understand the value of playing. You know, I've talked so much about two halves and all this. So it can be educational is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be all bad. They Between our program and the meetings that we've had, informal ones, and then more formal ones that have been scheduled by uh, – uh, Paul Schlickman, uh, our director of athletics, these guys have also learned that um, social media becomes a part of their brand. It becomes first-year represent Fairfield U and Fairfield Athletics, but then these guys, whether they're trying to be pros down the road or they're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, whatever it is, there's a certain brand that they have to maintain. And so they have to be mindful of the types of things that they put out there or retweet that it represents the values of the, the the school and the program and themselves. And um, I think that that's a constant kind of learning process for everyone. You see these kind of ridiculous, maybe inappropriate things that, you know, kind of go on and you, you got to learn that, that that's not how you represent yourself or, or put out there. And so that's this kind of stuff that we're trying to help them understand.
1: And then getting back to the crux of that piece I read about the Sabres, one of the points that – the players they spoke to that they were making is that the phones, the devices themselves can sometimes interfere with camaraderie. And instead of talking as a group and talking as a team, they all immerse themselves in the phones and in the devices. And so they've combated that and they have certain particular times where they say no phones allowed. Um, what about you, Taj? Do you find that sometimes you have to battle that—that that sometimes you or maybe some of your teammates get so immersed in whether it be the phones and the the game consoles are are subject. Do you ever have to fight through that in order to maintain the the camaraderie aspect of being on a team?
2: Well, uh, we have a uh, a no phone on uh, for team meals policy. So, like when we're eating team meals, you can't take your phone out. Me personally, um. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's weird. Sometimes I'll just pull my phone out and I'm looking at my phone and I don't even realize, like, like wow, why am I on my phone right now? Yeah. Like, uh, I'll be watching TV or watching a movie and for some reason I have my phone when I should be looking at the movie. But, uh, yeah, sometimes it can be a little bit of a distraction. But I like to put it away sometimes and then just not use it, just take some time away from it. Coach, did you um – have, did you enforce those rules that you you set those rules up as
1: far as when and when you cannot have those devices available
3: yeah that's that's an absolute no-no and it is because of that you know it, it's um you know a team meal is just a time to be able to kind of joke around and, and and you've you've been with us where those you know the guys are loud and they're joking with each other and all and that that's what being a part of a team is you know what I mean and connecting with each other so I'm um, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty strict with that, that's um, an absolutely no-no, you just got to put it away and, you know, whatever, it's, it's, it's an hour roughly, if that, you know, sometimes it's 45 minutes, we're in and we're out, um, so that they can, you know, spend time with each other. I'll compare that with, sometimes uh, we'll be in the airport and there'll be a, a, lay, a holdover, a layover, and, you know, I just kind of let them do their thing and I'll see seven stags sitting there all by each other, and they all have their heads down looking at their at their phone. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, if that's how it is, that's cool. But I'm trying to combat that, you know, at our team meal where, all right, we'll put that away. And they're all eye to eye and find something to joke about or talk about. I think that, that those moments will stay with them, honestly, well past the wins and losses, you know, the time that they spent – um, and get to learn and, and know each other and, and laugh, I think they'll remember that down the road.
1: Yeah. Not a problem you worried about in the, uh, the No, I'm still 70s, trying to figure it? out how to open
0: my flip phone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, Coach, uh, two home games left. You've got uh, Manhattan and then Marist. Manhattan coming up on Sunday afternoon your preparation for that, the things that you need to do to get ready for Manhattan specifically, especially considering they got the best of you uh, when you play down there.
3: It's one of our, uh, it's one of our worst defensive efforts, I thought, um, all, all season, and uh, I think I shared that with you. Uh, um, I know I shared that with the guys, and uh, that's why I was really proud of the reset against Maris. We had a game a couple of days later. And we definitely defended the way that we were supposed to. We put a lot of effort into that game plan. Uh, Tyson Wheeler uh, does a phenomenal job. I don't know if anyone can beat Mitch, uh, but Tyson's really close. I mean, he's really, really good at his scout. And I thought that our execution, in terms of what Wheels had prepared us for, was really poor. I was really disappointed. So that's something we need to correct. If we're going to do anything against Manhattan, that's good for the Stags. We have to guard them better. You know, they, they simply uh, did a lot of things that um, they want to do that we, we wanted to stop and we didn't. Uh, we had 17 turnovers against them. Um, so you, wanna, you have to bring that uh, number down. Against Niagara, it was the uh, first time in a while where we had more assistant turnovers, is a step in the right direction. We forced 21 turnovers. You know, So even though we didn't defend well, we got them to turn it over. But uh, I just think we have to be better defensively. And I thought we shot too many threes. Uh, that's another thing that I took away from this weekend, our balance. And I, I just spent time telling them today. Our balance was so much better in terms of twos and getting to the line. You can talk about only four free throws against Niagara, but we had 36 points in the paint. So our balance was so much better. We have to maintain that against Manhattan because sometimes a very good defensive team, they can lull you into just playing on the perimeter and not doing what you need to do at the rim. And so those are things right there without giving away our full scouting report. But we got to defend them much better. And we have to have an inside out balance against them offensively.
0: Yeah, you were six for 28 from three in that game. Nine for 19, but whenever you play a Manhattan team, I think you got to, especially on the road, you've got to match their intensity. Yeah. Otherwise, you're down. You've got one foot in the grave. Talk to me without giving away any secrets, and Bob has heard me say this a zillion times, and I'm not even so sure if they did it as much this year, but typically Manhattan plays zone defense. I call it zone on steroids. Yeah, because it's not your typical goal, uh, zone. And a lot of times the game is depending on the referee's calls because they, could fi- they foul every play. Again, without giving any away, again any secrets. What's your mindset on how to be ready for that zone defense?
3: Well, I, I don't think this is giving away too much. I think um, because
0: he may be listening. You yeah, know. Yeah, you
3: know, with, well, without question. <laughs> but I do think our best. If you go back to that game, we had really good possessions where the ball moved, and um, we got good shots, but we we didn't make them when we came down and it was one pass and i'm going to make it happen we a whole lot of bad things happened so ball well, that's their
0: whole mo they're trying to get you to play that way exactly so you, yeah. they're trying
3: to speed you up yeah um and they're trying to get you um you know not to move the ball as much those and those two kind of come together so they get you playing faster and then they get you kind of trying to take on you know two or three guys so the ball has to move and you have to be relaxed and confident within what you're doing and I think um, certainly taking time this week to get us there will be good because it is unique um, and that's one of the challenges of our league you know there's a lot of different styles of play Uh, But I do think you're spot on. But, you you know, there's a lot of energy and hooping and hollering, and it's just to kind of get in your head. Um, But you have to move the basketball, and you have to, you know, take your time, do things on time, but take your time.
1: You talked about the scouting report that uh, Mitch Bonagero puts together. Coach uh, Tyson Wheeler does a great job at that. Tosh, how do you do on the quizzes? And we, uh, Mm -hmm. for our listeners who are not aware of – the quiz uh, every the players are are kind of a lightning round. Put on the spot, they have to answer a question when their name is called regarding the scouting report. How do you usually do, Taj? Uh
2: When I was a freshman, I was really nervous for the quizzes because <laughs> uh, Jerome would always scare me and say, "Yeah, if you do, if you don't get your question right, you're never gonna play." <laughs> so <laughs> I used to really really study the scout like crazy my freshman year and be all nervous. I've calmed down a lot, but um, yeah, I usually do pretty well on the quizzes. Study the scout; it's really important. Uh, for us to be successful back you back him up on
1: that i do
3: i do actually (laughs) i I was laughing because he was he was real shaky as a freshman (laughs) he he was real shaky uh nervous uh would would look at the coaches like you know is is that the right type of thing almost answer with a question type of uh tone but now he's he's really confident um he's he understands the importance of it and he understands the importance of saying it in a way where the other guys realize that he knows it and that he's confident and they can look at their point guard and be like, alright, he's got it on point now. I've, I've got to make sure I know it.
0: Todd, I, I took for granted. Do you know that I worked for Mitch? Yeah, I knew I that. was Mitch's assistant. Okay, I, hopefully it's not going to take too long. So, Mitch came in from winning a national championship and I had been rehired from the previous staff, so I was a nervous wreck. It was one of my first three or fourth year in coaching. And um, so, when Mitch came in, um, the NCAA had a rule. You're allowed to get one paid scout live. So I would go to LaSalle. I'd get mileage, blah, 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 everything. But he had us so nervous as a staff that I would go on my own to see LaSalle like 10 times. <laughs> so I had everything in the report. And we literally, had, and we left about it now. I'm not talking behind his back. We literally, my scouting reports were like 30 pages. Wow. 30 pages. because we wanted, And it's the best thing that ever happened to me because I learned Every nook and cranny, I had to be spot on with everything I did. So, um, And we actually quizzed we, – we would quiz the players, not individually like you do. They'd all be lined up, uh, and they'd all have a piece of paper. And we'd ask like ten questions, and they all had to answer wow. each one and <laughs> hand them in. That's a little oh. more intimidating. <laughs> right That's <there>. crazy.
1: <laughs> so my, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus <laughs> here, no pun intended, because it happened on the bus, I'm not going to mention – any names, <laughs> but my favorite quiz story was uh, we were on the road, <laughs> we were on the bus, and for, for whatever reason you had to give the quiz, uh, Coach Montaguaro gave the quiz on the bus. Right. And most of the guys were handling the, uh, the questions pretty well. But before they got to this particular player, some, one, some player, there was a little, little bit of a silent moment. And one player shouted out, hey, so-and-so who are we playing tomorrow? <laughs> and I think he hesitated. So not everybody handles the quiz very, very well. But he eventually did get the answer to that question. But they can't provide some lighthearted moments, can it?
3: A- absolutely. It's something that they, these guys have bonded on. And, uh, look, we're, we're trying to keep it fresh, um, and we're trying to make sure that they, they have fun with it. But, you know, when you're playing, you got to be prepared. you got to be prepared. you got to know what you're doing. Um, and that has been something that they've had to learn at this level. You can't just I say to them all the time You can't just go out there and hoop. I mean, there's just guys who are as big as strong as fast as you doesn't mean they're better mm-hmm. um, What happens though is if they think the game at a higher level and they can execute then they get better than you real real fast and so that's the uh, that's a challenge that we have for ourselves and uh, want to put that work in this week and, and put ourselves in a great spot on Sunday afternoon against Manhattan.
1: How's the mood of the team right now as you're trying to get this thing uh, moving in a positive direction as you head down uh, the stretch here, final two home games of the year coming up?
3: If if I had guys who weren't discouraged from from losing, I'd, I'd be really concerned. Yep. You know, I'd be really really concerned. And so, um, you know, when you lose, when you come up short, it's heartbreaking. You know, I mean, I I, I that's how I feel. Um, I know I have a captain in in Jonathan Casababa who's caring so much, you know what I mean, and his his energy and enthusiasm is off the charts, but he's human, you know what I mean, he's human, and so all of these guys, you know, they're not robots, Um, what is really important is that we identify where we've come up short, we gotta fix it, we gotta fix it, and we gotta correct that, or else you're gonna have the same result. But then you have to come in the next day and you you can't be worn down, your shoulders can't be slumped down, you can't be defeated on, on that next day. You absolutely cannot. And I, I have to say that I've been proud of them for that, all right? The reset, their ability to get there, what I think has escaped us is our ability to get that get at that moment, that moment where, you know, you have three possessions in a row where you don't execute. Well, that in this league, that's enough. I mean, Canisius, I think, at least before they lost to Manhattan, I think they were in first place. We lost to a first-place team by, you know, like four four points. And we know we had nine turnovers in the second half. Um, So, you know, it's things that we can correct, but I have to tell you that these guys are not sitting there. They're they're not quitting. They're not done. They're continuing to celebrate each other's success and, and trying to get the most out of the day, and that's what we
0: need moving forward. Well, I'm going to kind of um elaborate on that a little bit. You know, you look I'm looking at the numbers now and I just kind of did it myself. Believe it or not. Um there are eight teams in your conference. just shows to the parity of this conference that are within two games of first place. Right. Eight right. teams. So you right. got Canisius and I, and I hope I'm not wrong. Canisius and Quinnipiac are 9 and 5. And then 7 and 8 Marist and Manhattan are 7 and 7. So um I'm looking at you and I'm anything can happen you know anything and you get that first, you get that first game no matter who you're playing uh, you get a win and all of a sudden you're in a good position because the team that you're waiting to play hasn't played yet right and they're right. gonna be a little tight so um, yeah,
3: that, that that's true that showed up last year right. I also what also showed up last year was you know the top three teams in the league were were out absolutely uh, you know just like that yeah. bang 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 mm-hmm. top three gone so you know this team is is a team that has hope like i can, i can assure you of that um our challenge is just to get at the things that we got to do to uh to to win the games that we're playing you know we got 3 left and then we go into the brand new season of mac tournament but um for now it's all about manhattan
1: yeah you can't see him on the podcast but i can tell you that taj right in front of me the entire time that you were talking about uh, building up to these final few games in the Max Tournament, Taj was nodding his head yes, and affirmatively. And uh, Taj, I have a feeling that uh, keeping you positive is not a hard thing to do. That that's your makeup, isn't it? Yeah. You uh, you so you look at this season and you look at
2: it as the glass half full in terms of what can still be done, don't you? Definitely. And, what, and tell us why. Um, because I think that we're. I think we're, like Coach Jay said, we're just a team that just won't quit. Like, we love to compete, and like, we, like he said, we love to um, celebrate each other's success and stuff like that. And we know, like, we came together today for practice. We know that we got time. We can make a run at this thing, and we, we know it's possible. So, uh, yeah, we, we won't fold, and we won't hang our heads. It's just not going to happen. And
3: that approach makes it possible. Yep. If you don't start there, then you're, you're done. You're cooked. But I think that approach, like believing that you can make it happen, allows you to make it happen. And, and that's, what, that's what we're striving for.
1: Well, Taj, uh, we really enjoyed, A, you giving us the time today and, B, getting to know you a little bit better, and, C, uh, understanding that uh, you really do believe in yourself and this team. And so good luck as uh, you set out to accomplish winning these final couple of home games and then uh, rolling that into St. Peter's and eventually the MAC tournament. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Coach Johnson, good luck uh, with this extra practice time this week. Always a pleasure. Joe, we will see you on the air for Manhattan on Sunday. And you've been listening to Open Court with Sidney Johnson and the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis. I'm Bob Huesler. Next week, we will recap Fairfield's game against Manhattan, get you ready for the uh, final game of the home season, Senior Night versus Marist. And again, thanks to our special guest today, Fairfield guard Taj Benning. This has been Open Court. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. The Open
0: Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.